Hey everybody, welcome to Generations Church Podcast, the podcast about everyday people who are committed to expanding God's family because of Jesus for generations to come. My name's John, I'm the engagement pastor here at Generations Church, I'm sitting with our lead pastor, Kyle Davies. Yeah, yeah. And this weekend, we just continued our sermon series called Known as we continue through Colossians chapter one, really diving into God's word here. And Kyle, I'm going to continue to just ask you some questions, make you flush out some uh, stuff that you talked about this weekend, because I'm really excited and I loved what we talked about this weekend, because I think it's going to promote some fun discussion here in a minute. And you really use this. Buckle up. I know, right? Wow, man. You really tied right into your illustration (laughs) of the car. Did you just think of that? I did off the top. That was good. That was impressive. Because you had this illustration of the whole car on cruise control. (laughs) Wow. I'm sorry for those who have to listen to this. You know how I deal with... No, we are glad that you get to listen to this. We're not sorry. This is going to be a fun discussion today. Thank you for joining us and checking this out as always. I love it. So Kyle, you hit on this illustration of this car traveling down the road and you compare it to our life of what it looks like to deal with the world and the busyness we encounter. And we experienced this just a couple of minutes ago. It's been a busy couple of days. It was one of those days in which you sit here in the af- late afternoon and we make a comment to each other and we're like, wow, that happened this morning. That was just a couple hours ago. Yeah. And man, like that, I feel like that happens so often because let's be real. We live in a world in which it is busy in which mm-hmm. it just feels like sometimes it's from go from point A to point B to C, and somehow we ended up at D, and it's like, wow, that all happened in one day. Yeah, am I sure I didn't skip any of those letters type, yeah. type, type day? Oh, my gosh, yes. And I loved how you use this concept of days like that. It just can feel like we're on cruise control. Mm. And you tied it back into this passage because there was this concept in there where it talks about what it looks like to walk in a way that is worthy to the Lord, and I know a lot of us, um, we want to be good people. We want to live good lives. We want to uh, have the healthiness, have the happiness and the joy that goes into life. And for those of us who come around a church, we hear of what it's like to grow in God, grow in this walk with Him in this everyday life. And so, Kyle, I want to ask you, in the midst of a busyness of the world in which we live, how do we know if we are pleasing God and really pursuing that joy in which we're called to? That's a solid question. I almost wish I would have asked that in my sermon, but Paul expands specifically. He just assumes the response to that question in the passage as he's praying for the Colossian believers, and he just says they will be growing in the knowledge of God, and they will be bearing fruit. And we have talked a lot about what bearing fruit means. It means a change in internal character priorities. Mm -hmm. And that point two, growing in the knowledge of God. And there's a difference between knowing about God and then actually having that relationship with him. And the beautiful thing as Paul prays for the Colossian church is he wants them to be strengthened and empowered, and he gives them the ability to do that through the Holy Spirit when they've remembered and recognized that they have a relationship with God through Jesus. And to come back to that question, how do we know we are pleasing God, and are we pleasing God? Paul, in this passage, talks about that bearing and growing fruit and growing in the knowledge of God. But what's interesting is there's another author in the New Testament that talks about 
this very question. And the author gives us a statement, and that statement comes from Hebrews chapter 11. And Hebrews chapter 11 defines faith in this way. Chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for. The proof is proof of what is not seen. Then, coming down into verse 6, it says, Now without faith it is impossible to please God, for the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and rewards those who seek him. And then later on, it gives, after a long list of people who, by faith, did certain things, it says, All these were approved through their faith, but they did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us so that they would not be made perfect without us, alluding to specifically Jesus talking about the hope that we have in him, the the eternal reward. Mm. But you caught that repetitive nature there, that it is faith that leads to pleasing God because it is faith, as we get to know God, that enacts a change within us. Mm. When we place our faith in Jesus, when we put our full weight saying yes to God in obedience, there will be change. We said this a couple weeks ago that obedience is God's love language. And we framed it up that way for that reason to basically say, how do we know if we're pleasing God? Do we place our faith and trust in Jesus? And Mm. does that faith bring about a change? And so when we are seeing change in our life, meaning we're growing in that character, we're growing in that priorities, and we know more about God today than we even did yesterday or the day before or the week before or years back, then we are, in a sense, pleasing to God because of our faith in Jesus. And Jesus was that perfect sacrifice. He was the one who laid down his life to cover our sin so that we are no longer enslaved to sin, which is this power that comes out in this passage. We know we're longer enslaved to sin. The power of sin uh, does not rule over us, and we are no longer under the penalty of sin Mm. because of Jesus' sacrifice, this day of atonement. We're actually going to get to this (laughs) here in a couple weeks, so stay tuned as we unpack the implications specifically legally and penalty-wise of the cross of Jesus and how that gives us an ability to have forgiveness of sins. But because of our faith in Jesus and what Jesus did on the cross, there's no more penalty, there's no more power, and one day we'll be free from the presence of sin. I'm excited for that conversation. But there's a quote you had this weekend, and it was the amount of change of one's internal character corresponds to the amount of intake Mm. of God's word. It's like what you just read there in Hebrews. It's not just a faith. It's not just a head knowledge faith, but it's a faith that seeks out God. And I love that you keep using this word wisdom because I, in my, um, one of my master's classes this weekend, we were going through the book of Proverbs and it really kind of unpacked this concept of wisdom. And so often we can think of wisdom as, oh, that person knows a lot of things. But wisdom isn't just understanding. Wisdom is taking the understanding and applying it to your everyday life. Wisdom basically has this assumption that you have this head knowledge and this heart change, and they are both interceding. They are both parallel. They are corresponding together. It's the knowledge in what you take in 
of you relating and understanding yeah. God and living it out in your life. Yeah. Wisdom is knowledge applied. Yeah. And what we see by that is because no two situations are the same, no two scenarios are the same, it's impossible to prescribe almost a set of rules and say, this is what you do every time these set of circumstances come up. Because every time a set of circumstances come up, they're not always going to be the same. Maybe the people change. Some of the variables are changed. The timing. And as we know, we live in a chaotic, rapid-paced world. Go back to that busyness where mm. things just come and come and come. And we're, we're living and living and living. So the scenarios and the variables are constantly changing. And what we have to have the ability to do and what Paul is praying for these Colossians believers as they live in this first century world is that they will take the wisdom and the knowledge of God that they are gaining through reoccurring study and conversation with each other and begin to develop an ability to discern in each and every scenario and then apply that wisdom in that moment. And so in our life today, we have to be able to do the same thing. And so we have to have that wisdom and knowledge and understanding from reading God's mm-hmm. word. And then we have to really have a level of discipline and practice to get good at what yeah. it actually looks like to apply it as we encounter different situ- situations. Yeah. And there is this other illustration in which you used this weekend. It was this concept of the armband in basketball to try and make you better at basketball. <laughs> Honestly, I've never seen you play basketball, so I don't know if it the actually jur- helped the or not. The jury's still out, I guess. Yeah, I don't I don't know. At least you humbled yourself. Yes, you said you, I, you miss a lot of shots. I do. We I kind did. of assumed. But really, your whole premise behind this, talking about this armband and helping you with your form in basketball, was this concept of you... You hit on this these three words, practice, mm. repetition, and then an aid. Mm-hmm. It was this whole idea that if we're to grow, there's it's not always just going to come easily. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's going to take some work. And so often we, we want the end result without having to put in the effort. You know, we want the win without the discipline. We want the reward without the sacrifice. We want the option to purchase without really paying. We don't want to sacrifice anything to get the outcome, but you really hit on this Allen Iverson, as he would say, practice, 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 Mm. repetition, and and aid, something that would also help us so we're not alone in this journey. Kind of like us in our everyday faith, like we can understand like practice, repetition of practicing, trying to be a good Christian. What are some aids in which in your mind, some tools in which we can help each other grow Mm -hmm. in our seeking out and growing in our faith. Yes. And I want to answer that. But before I go too far, I want to come back to another verse in Hebrews that says in Hebrews 5 verses 8, and though he was God's son talking about Jesus, he learned obedience through what he suffered. What we Mm. have to remember is that Jesus is our model for life and also also for ministry. If Jesus demonstrated what it looks like to be truly human, and in Jesus, he was perfect, 
he obeyed in every in every situ in any situation. So when he was three, he obeyed. When he was five, he obeyed. When he was sixteen, he obeyed. Which is just a miracle. Let's you want to talk about a miracle? Right there, it is. At sixteen year olds, Jesus obeyed perfectly. I don't know. I don't know any sixteen year olds that 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 obey perfectly. I certainly wasn't wasn't there. And so he learned obedience through what he suffered. And it comes back to the idea of recognizing. God's truth and God's law, recognizing that we have a choice and mm. choosing obedience again and again and again. Now, Jesus was obedient actively and passively, was in that state of righteousness. And for us, we want to continue to grow and develop in that so that as we live, we're actively choosing obedience. Mm. So much so that because we're saturated God's word, there are even times when we are simply living because of our connection specifically with Jesus in the presence of the Holy Spirit, we, we are passively being obedient because we are choosing when we are made aware to, to be obedient to God. It's and when you understand God's will, his understanding. It's when we begin to first seek it out that we're able to say, I choose God's understanding mm-hmm. over mine. God has a greater will than I do. I choose Jesus's priorities over my his go yeah yeah and that's why one of our values spirit over self come, yeah. come comes out so naturally because you all have faced that moment when you walk out of let's say a grocery store and you feel that holy spirit prompting you to go back in and talk to that person talk about jesus and you consciously <laughs> are like oh my goodness i've never done this before and are you going to listen to that prompting or are you going to continue to get in your car? And what happens is when you continue, you go get in your car, you you try to distract yourself from that guilty feeling because you crank know, up the radio. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you're doing something else. You're distracting yourself from that disobedience. We do that all the time when we pick up our cell phone and we we know we're supposed to start a conversation or we're supposed to be intently listening yeah. or we're supposed to make a phone call or we're starting to do something and we recognize. This isn't where God is leading right now. And so we we shift real quick and we try to distract ourselves and we, we try to eliminate that thought. And so we're talking about this level of we try to distract ourselves to so that we don't feel guilty about our disobedience. What you asked me a moment ago was, are there aids that we can do that increases our chance and really our percentage of of obedience. And what what I would propose are something that are called spiritual disciplines. Mm. And so there are certain things, activities that you have to practice, that you have to purposefully put in the schedule of your day so that that when you go about your day you can be saturated with the wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of God, and then take that and apply it to that situation. Mm. And so these disciplines come out in a couple of different ways. The first one that I would suggest is meditation. It's the idea of reading a verse and just keeping coming back to it throughout the day. Thinking about it, meditating on it. How does that apply to your finances? How does that apply to your sexuality? How does that apply to where you work? How does that how does that change maybe your schedule for the rest of the week? Mm-hmm. And so you begin to think about that 
and how that might intersect all of these different areas. Another way is through prayer. Now, there are all kinds of different prayers. You can specifically pray for other people. You can make a list of things you're thankful for and specifically thank God. You can open up the Bible and look for prayers. Psalms are a great place to go to mm-hmm. and just pray the Psalms. There's, there's this little devotional called Songs of Jesus that's written by Tim and Kathy Keller. And all it is are sections of song Psalms gives you a little thought about the psalm, and then it basically turns around and writes it as a prayer. So you're just praying that right back to God. You can pray Scripture. You can pray God's Word back to Him. Mm. What that's going to do is it's going to engage different modes of learning so that you're not only reading God's Word, you're saying it, and then you're doing something. So that way, the phraseology some of the imagery, some of the metaphors that are naturally in God's Word begin to sit on your mind and soak then to your heart. Yeah. And so that's those are a couple disciplines that I would... Prayer and meditation. What's really popular right now <laughs> is an app called Headspace. If you've not heard of Headspace, then it's just a, it's just a meditation tool. There are other meditation apps that are filled in the app store. Our society and our world right now are is just basically saying the idea of meditation is good. Here's the difference between Christian meditation and cultural meditation. Mm. Cultural meditation says empty your mind. <laughs> Get rid of the thoughts. Yeah. Be empty. Go go zen. You know, don't think about anything. Um, or think about something that you may selfishly want and, and think about that so that it fires you up. Clear out everything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The soul focus. What Christian meditation does is it doesn't focus on you. It doesn't focus on things you want. And it doesn't empty your mind. It fills your mind with the Word of God so that when you are living... You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. you. That word that's inside your mind and is soaking its way to your heart, the Holy Spirit will be able to bring that back to remembrance. And once again, you will be faced with the choice. <laughs> Do I say yes to God's word and, and take that step of obedience? Or do you distract yourself, disobey, and then in effect run away? hmm and usually what happens is God brings a level of discipline back into your life. There are usually some negative consequences that result from your disobedience. And it's because God wants you to live a life in accord with him, in relationship with him. And the best possible life is lived in step with Jesus. That perfect obedience, being fully human, the way God originally designed it. And so, choose obedience. Mm-hmm. Obedience is God's love language. And there are some aids that we can access that help us. Oh, John, I've mentioned a few of these. Are there, <laughs> are there any others that you would suggest to our listeners that maybe 
aren't your normal Bible reading, prayer, meditation. They, yeah. If they wanted to try an out-of-the-box idea, just to, to jog a level of, of <laughs> obedience and jumpstart a level of discipline. Yeah. No, there's, there's plenty in which we see throughout Scripture uh, that are unique. And I think it's valuable for us to first have that discussion about um, Bible reading, prayer, and the differentiation and meditation and what we mean to really uh, fill yourself with the Word and fill yourself with God, because most of what you're going to see in spiritual disciplines is founded on that because it's your first avenue in which you can really learn and engage with God and His understanding and His will. A couple of the spiritual disciplines um, that I've attempted to use in my life that I've found in Scripture, the first one is fasting. Um, and this is, this, this is an interesting one. And it wasn't one that I really started until I got to college. And I really began to understand what fasting looked like, one, in Scripture and how it lives out in our everyday life. Because it, it's an interesting concept in which what I do when I fast is I had a personal challenge from my professor at Bible college who said, Hey, John, why don't you try something a little bit different with your spiritual life? outside of reading and prayer, you know, that's, mm-hmm. it's, it's like a standard, like Christian go-to. Yeah. He said, try fasting. He said, what I want you to do is for 24 hours, once a week, don't eat anything. And rather during that time in which you would sit down for a meal, you would prepare that meal and do whatever you got to do for it. Spend time with God in a unique way. In which for me, like that could look like, so what I've done is sometimes I'll take like a Monday at like 7 p.m. I'll eat dinner and then I won't eat until Tuesday after seven. Mm. And so usually I'll skip like, I won't have like a late night snack. We'll skip breakfast. No popcorn when I fast. I know, right? You and your late night popcorn. But what you do is in place of those times in which you would go get that late night popcorn in place of that time in which you would get up in the morning and have that breakfast, or even when you would go sit at Killer Burger or Mod Pizza or something like that, go and intentionally spend some time with God. And some of those times, yes, you can spend some time in reading your Bible through that meditation in which you talked about, or even praying and kind of incorporate some different aspects in there. But really the whole foundation behind it is finding your dependence in God and mm. not in the substances of our needs. Mm. So realizing that God is the one in which who will fill our needs, mm. he's the dependence in which we rely on. And it really goes back to the whole Old Testament in which we see Israel struggling with God while they're in the wilderness. And God says, listen, I will provide for you. Mm. He says, depend upon me and I will provide and so really in those times, it's, it's one of those moments in which you just kind of set yourself aside and you really allow God to be the one to fill you and not the things of this world. That's a, that's a unique one. That one's a little bit different. Another one in which I would encourage and maybe people will, will like to try this, especially in this concept of a fast-paced world and the busyness of every day, mm. is this idea of Sabbath. And Uh-oh, you're going to push some buttons with this one. I know, and Sabbath is a very interesting one because you look back at the Old Testament, it's like, don't work for an entire day. Like, you can only go this far from your house. You can only do this amount of things. I'm not saying, like, restrict yourself to, like, because what they would do is, like, take their clothes and, like, chain them together. It's like, if 
however far your clothes would expand, that's how far you can. I'm not telling you to do that. What I'm saying is to intentionally take time, whether it's a day, whether it's 12 hours, whether it's an evening, and intentionally have that time set aside in which you are to rest. Mm. Because God first exampled that in the beginning. It's like it has the whole illustration. God created in six days and took the seventh day to rest. Man, God and, must have really been tired on that seventh day. Oh, wait. He it, doesn't need to rest. It, it's, it's not that he needed to, but it's this whole like building of a foundation for us, giving us an example in which it's a whole nother thing and where we find really what I come back to with Sabbath is it's a whole day in which you allow yourself to be filled up by God because mm. so often we go about this busyness of life. We get in this cruise control and we pour out, we pour out, we pour out, we pour out. Yeah. Pour out in our work and our relationships, our family and our home life, whatever we got going on. It's so easy for us to get caught into the, I got to go, 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 yep. pour out and really to spend some time in which I, I love how I once heard it said of don't do anything you don't want to do. And it's mm. this whole idea of spend some time where you're not pouring out, where you are intentionally resting. And for some people, it's very different. For yeah. me to rest, I like, I'm a home buyer, so I like to come home, chill, and do my thing. Some people rest by hanging out with some friends and having community. And I'm not going saying, golfing, exactly. working on your lawnmower, exactly. like, and, like thinking around the garden. Like yes, that's, those yes. are, those are great opportunities for that. It doesn't mean not do anything. Exactly. It do, don't do things you don't want to do. If you enjoy to go golf, if you enjoy to do some gardening in your yard, if you enjoy going, getting some coffee, going, watching a movie, go do that. But the whole aspect around it is to spend a day in rest and doing it with God and allowing him to fill you up during that day. I think that last phrase right there is so important. With God, when you Sabbath, when you rest, there has to be an intentional connection with God. That's why we encourage people for their Sabbath to be on Sundays. So you come, you participate in worship, you participate in gathering with other believers. And then at the conclusion of that, maybe you spend time with your family, you do something enjoyable. Mm -hmm. And the idea is to be set apart because we began this podcast talking about busyness. The temptation is going to be, we have so much to get done, so let's just work, 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 achieve, 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 or feel the pressure to do this or that or that, this or that. But when you tell people in your lives, hey, Sunday is for family, and the reason I use that word intentionally is for the family of God and maybe for your family. Mm-hmm. It's for filling you up in that way, that connection with God. What you are doing is you're intentionally communicating something different to our world. You are saying, I don't need to work seven days because mm-hmm. my dependence for my income, for my even your relationships with other people, even for, for status, your approval, uh, it's a level of managing your schedule, it doesn't require you to work Mm. 24-7. What actually it communicates is a dependence upon God. Yeah. What you said earlier with fasting, Sabbath, the same thing. It's saying 
God is my source and to live a life pleasing to him Mm. is seeing him as our source, whether it's in a day of rest, going without so that we can recognize his provision, whether it's recognizing we don't have all the wisdom and skills to live in this world. And he does recognizing that we ourselves are finite and he is infinite. Mm. We are temporary and he is eternal. And so we have to connect with him so that we can, in reality, live. Yeah. So we don't rest from our work. We work from our rest. We Mm. live not so that we can be dependent, but from our dependence we live. Yeah, I like that. And there's something in there in what you mentioned that I think is essential. And the fact that we're able to put a reason in which we do this, because if um, people are to just assume the reason for our change, like if we don't get, like we have to be able to give them a reason. Yeah. So if, if you've not been taking a Sabbath and all of a sudden you're like, Hey, these 12 hours, faith, family, worship, church, or you're not working on Sunday or because of the nature of your job, you have to work on Sunday. You say, okay, it's a, it's a Wednesday afternoon or something else. Or you say, Hey, I'm going without. And people ask why you've got to have a reason. Otherwise they're going to just assume. Yeah, who knows what they're going to assume? They're going to input. They're doing that because well, they're gonna, yeah, they're going to attribute the reason to some to something else. So you got a promotion. Well, they're going to assume you're all happy and focused in achieving because you got a promotion. But maybe things aren't quite that ideal, and you're able to say actually it's because of Jesus. Maybe they're going to assume that it's because your relationship with your husband or wife or girlfriend, boyfriend, fiance is just going so well. So they're going to attribute. Well, they're, they're just in a joyful mood. They're making the they're making mm-hmm. these changes in their life for this other person. And you're able to say, yeah, it is for another person, but it's not for them. It's because of Jesus. Or you're able to attribute how you rework your morning schedule or when you serve or even how you handle your money so when you're generous well people are like well he must or she must have got a bonus or their salary must be really good and you're actually like i'm on a very tight budget but i'm trusting god and my my dependence is is in him so i'm able to be generous because he was first generous towards me and so again tying that reason back to jesus and finances and relationships and schedule and the way in which you interact with other people. Maybe it's your joy or you have a new peace or you don't feel as guilty. Maybe you're actually able to stand up to someone else and not shrink back at their opinion or their passive aggressiveness. Mm -hmm. You're actually able to stand on your own two feet because your identity isn't dependent upon their perspective yeah your identity is dependent upon god's perspective of you Mm. in jesus and so if you haven't caught that theme that we're keep coming back to (laughs) is a life pleasing that god really is dependence on him and god gives us the strength and the ability to do that through his holy spirit in conjunction with a disciplined life that says, I want to change. 
And if I would have to ask a, a, a reflective question for you right now, do you want to change? Mm. Are you willing to change? I think and, that's a good question because in this passage, we see that God is one, strengthened us. Mm. And two, he has enabled us for this. God has created us to live this life. He's created us to live this life that is pleasing to him. And so often when we get in the busyness, we can question ourselves, why do I not see this change? Mm. You know, why don't I see this instantaneous change? Like I started reading my Bible this morning. Why isn't there a change in my life? Mm. Why don't I experience the joy? You know, or we begin looking around for the solution to the problem at hand. And we're like, where's the immediate fix? You know, and we sometimes wrestle with the, the challenge of, you know, it's this whole kind of back and forth of it's comfortable and easy to stay where we are, where true change, it takes effort and it doesn't come instantaneously. And what the beautiful thing is, is this is what Paul's praying for in this passage. He's praying for endurance and patience. There's a longevity at play. Following Jesus isn't something that we can just do in a day and then turn around, sweet, I'm good for my rest of life. I don't have to reflect or live a life that reflects my followership. Following Jesus is a lifelong journey. You can say yes to following Jesus in a moment, in an instant, and God can work in your life and you can respond to the good news that Jesus lived a perfect life died on the cross, resurrected, and provides that eternal hope, that eternal security, you can say yes to following Jesus because of that good news, because it means that you're not under the penalty of your sin, that you are a sinner, and you're not under that penalty anymore, and you don't have to be under the power or sway of sin anymore. You have the ability to say no to sin when you are tempted because of your faith in Jesus. Mm. And that Holy Spirit gives us that 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 gumption, the 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 gas for that for that engine. And we gotta remember that while we can be righteous in an instant through faith in Jesus, it takes a lifelong for mm-hmm. really for our life to c- catch up what, what God God sees as instantaneous. And so there are times when we're gonna come across different sins or different things in our life where we're gonna think. Hey, I thought I solved that before mm. or that I can I can up. work on it for a while and then set it aside. Mm. And, and in reality, we're almost going to have to keep playing whack-a-mole. <laughs> Every time it pops up, hit it back down. And the authority of Jesus, we can hit it back down. We don't have to be overwhelmed. And I just I have that picture of that game I had where it's like <laughs> you're you're going crazy all over the place. The beautiful thing is is and really Jesus gives us a really big uh whack so yeah. that we can just whack all the moles, but we are gonna have to keep doing it over and over and over again. Yes. And the reason again that we do that is because of Jesus. And here's what I mean by because of Jesus and that reason. There are people in your life who are watching your life. Mm. And if you experience change and don't attribute it to Jesus, what we were talking about a minute ago, they will just simply go, I should do what they're doing. And they will try reading a book, doing 
meditation where you empty your head. They will try to just make their relationship look exactly like yours. But because they are different people and a different set of circumstances, yeah. they aren't going to be able to have that same level of success because what they're doing is applying your wisdom mm. and how they view your life into theirs. And what you want to do is say your so- the source of your wisdom and your change is Jesus. And when you point them to Jesus and you say, this is the source of my change, the Holy Spirit that is alive and working in you will be able to work in them and their circumstances and their situations. And then they will be able to have and experience that same change that you yourself are still are, are beginning to experience. Yeah. And with us having this whole conversation about different spiritual disciplines, it's not this whole thing of you have to do all these spiritual disciplines to grow in your relationship with God. No, it's more of these are different tools. These are different aids in which God provides for us to, I like how you use this illustration, for us to grow in our God-centered muscle memory Mm. and set aside our self-centered muscle memory because it can very easily become all about us. Yep. And all the spiritual disciplines in which we talked about, and most of them really boil down to us relying on God's dependence. Mm-hmm. And it's this practice and repetition in which we go to God, we grow in His wisdom, we grow in His will, we grow in His knowledge of who He is and what He's called us to do. We grow in understanding Jesus' priorities, His characteristics. We begin to see the parallel of how we can please God and follow Him and achieve His will. And it's this practice and repetition of going back and reminding ourselves that we are dependent upon God that builds this God-centered muscle memory in us so we can see the lasting change which is found in Jesus. Thanks for joining us on today's podcast. Please subscribe. Also, we'd love for you to share this podcast and our other social media with your family and friends. This will be a great way to hear our weekly teaching and additional conversations we're having around Generations Church. Thanks for joining us.